This is your other brother's podcast. It's like running through an open door. It's like finding what you're looking for. We've been waiting. We won't wait no more. We got a beautiful story. Every morning, on and on. We got a beautiful story. And we Welcome home, friends. This is your other brother's podcast, and we're a community navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. From the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, my name is Tom. I'm so glad that you're here. Joining us today from the other side of the state, the city of Oaks, it's our other brother, Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, everyone. Hello. Ryan, looking very sporty today with athletic stripes down, just not both shoulders, but one shoulder. I love it. Thank you. Uh, this is, in fact, a very nerdy t-shirt. It's uh, merchandise from the video game Mass Effect. But I'm glad it looks sporty to you. Shout out to all the Mass Effectors. Yeah, <laughs> it's its own sport. Um, and then joining us also from the folksy tundra, our other brother, Aaron. What's up, Aaron? Hello. Rocking that beige on beige background, as always. Always. <laughs> it's good to have you. So good to have both of you guys. You guys, I came up with this today. We are officially the Rat Squad. Ryan, Aaron, Tom. R-A-T. I like it. <laughs> I... You know, you're not a Team Rat? Well, team Rat person? I was trying to come up with a cool name for us. Better than Tar. Could we be tar. Art? Oh, that's so much better. The art squad. Yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? Rat squad. Yeah, we could be art for sure. Um, this is like the art the rat team. Pack. Like the rat pack. We could I mean, be the I rat feel pack. like that's sort of beautiful. I like poetic. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like rat pack. Okay, rat pack, art squad. We'll, we'll workshop some names. But Tom, Ryan, Aaron, we're here. And we're here to talk about something we've all experienced. Not just once. And I think not even just twice. I think thrice, right? Have you all been to Revoice every single year? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I think all four times, although one was virtual. Oh, okay. So I technically went to the virtual one, but I only watched one workshop. So does that mean, do I have to, did I have to hit a certain threshold to, to say I attended the virtual one last year? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, today we're doing something different, something we've never done before. We're talking about Revoice. 2021. In the past, we've done some blog posts. You guys can check out our blog. We'll have them linked in the episode notes because we've done some conversational pieces with several of our authors who attend every single conference. Um, so you can just, you can check those out for years past. But I thought it'd be special to, uh, this year to, to bring that discussion to the audio format, talk about it on the podcast, because uh, Ryan was there, I was there, Aaron was there, several other of our amazing supporters and contributors were there as well. So um, no doubt if you're listening, we may have said hello, we might have hugged, we might have shared a meal together and how cool that we can now revisit our time in Texas, Revoice 2021. So we're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. later today. Excited to do that with you guys. And I wanted to say to you guys, happy autumn. We are in the throes 
of leaves falling, or at least I'm just going to speak for myself. I don't know how things are falling in the folksy tundra or the city of oaks, but here in the Jewel of the Blue Ridge, everything is red and yellow and orange. It's the perfect time of year. This is peak Blue Ridge season right now. And I wanted to ask you guys, what are some of your favorite autumnal experiences? First of all, let me make sure we're all on the same page. Do we all agree that autumn is the best season or are we? do we have disagreement in the room? <laughs> I'd love to clear that up first. It it just feels a little cliche to 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 just love autumn and think it's the best, but I I guess it's my favorite. Yeah. Okay. A very nonchalant yes from Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely my favorite. I was a little nervous about Aaron because it. I feel like for you especially, fall could be the sense of foreboding, like oh gosh. The, the Minnesota winter is about to come. It's, it's a little it's bit coming. that way. Yeah. Usually they'll fall. Fall has a tendency to linger and the longer it's around, the shorter winter is. So everybody loves okay. fall because you just kind of hope it goes on and on. Yeah, that makes sense. Maximize the fall. Okay. So I'm glad we're all a fan of fall then. So what do you guys enjoy? What makes it your favorite season? You guess. <laughs> what what puts it over the top? What What do you enjoy about fall? I guess I, I like fall foods, you know, that all the apple stuff and and uh, and I will admit the pumpkin stuff gets me every time. Mm, interesting. Um, warm the warm cozy foods that you get to start to eat after after the summer's over. I think my favorite moment in the beginning of fall and what what makes it feel like fall has officially begun like i it's it's now a change of season is when i first have to turn on the heat in my house uh after after the summer like the first time i turn on my heat and there's like that kind of like the stale heater smell i don't i don't know what it is but i i think it's <laughs> like gears dust. coming back together yeah yeah it's like dust burning off the heating elements or something and to me that's such a like reassuring comforting smell of like the, the heat coming on for the first time in months mm. you know i'm still waiting for that feeling as some of our dear listeners might know there's an elderly woman who lives in my building and she controls she controls everything so she controls when the heat comes on. And as of now, as of October 25th, 2021, the heat has yet to come on this this cold season. So, I'm I'm making do with my space heater in my bedroom and just trying to have layers the rest in the rest of my apartment. But um but I look forward to the day, hopefully soon, when I f- also smell that stale heated smell that you described because that is a lovely smell. <laughs> yeah. It's a little surprising. I feel like old people usually are pretty cold. I know. She's also but very also frugal, though. Very thrifty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's but true. Is she, it thrifty she's, or frugal? One of those. Well, yeah. both. A little but, bit of both. Um, yeah, she's putting uh, King Leonidas of Sparta to shame here. Like she is, she is uh, gritting her teeth and making it through some cold temperatures, right in Asheville. Yeah, it's like it keeps going back and forth. So I kind of understand. Like it's seventy plus today, and but it was in the fifties. It was getting down there, and so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe by the next podcast recording, we're officially crossed over into heated, <laughs> heated building territory. As of now, no, not so much. I don't. I don't want to get too dark, but uh, are you sure she's like 
still there? Yes, she is. <laughs> like, okay, I'm okay, glad you okay. care. I'm glad you have a, a thoughtful yeah. eye, though, for her because yes, the <laughs> last uh, yeah last few days I've seen her out and about, and she's she's fantastic. She's a wonderful wonderful landlady. So um, yeah, we'll see. It'll be a magical day though when I hear the hum of the heater. I'm just looking forward to yeah apple cider and leaves on the ground if i can do one corn maze before the season's over those are always fun um there's just so much to look forward to in the fall so i hope wherever you are that you're enjoying a fall too uh, it was funny on our discord somehow the topic of fall came up or i think it might have actually been facebook live this month the topic of fall came up um and one of our dear floridian supporters just he said he commented something to the effect of crying, crying in South Florida because he couldn't contribute to the discussion. There's no fall. There's no fall down there. So um, shout out to South <laughs> Florida, <laughs> probably all of Florida, honestly, like shout out to Florida who doesn't get to experience what we do, um, what most of us listening get to experience on a regular basis. So Florida, we see you, we mourn with you, and we hope you survive your, your 70 degree <laughs> autumn this year. All right, you guys, we are on a mission. We're actually on a couple missions to catch everyone up. We're on a mission to get to 150 Apple Podcast reviews. We're up to 128. I just checked this morning. So we're creeping along. We're getting closer. And just a reminder, if you haven't rated or reviewed our show yet on Apple Podcasts um, and used a fun username, alias, pseudonym that we can say on the air, that would be awesome. We would love to, to read your either support or your hopefully constructive criticism. We would love to read that on the air. It helps get the show into more ears. So thank you guys who have already done that. And we're on another mission as well. I mentioned this a long time ago, but I wanted to make sure people are still aware of this, that we're on a mission to hit 250 patrons on Patreon. And as of today, we're currently at 219. So Reminder, if you forgot what the goal is, but there's always a goal on Patreon. What's our next goal going to be? So the goal is when we get to 250, that yours truly, Tom, is going to do some kind of a stunt, some kind of a stunt once we hit 250. And I have no idea what said stunt is going to be. This is something that we workshop and it's something I'll be taking more seriously the closer we get to 250. But I was like, what do I do? What do I do when we hit 250? Do I go into downtown Asheville and hold a sign that says free hugs and become one of those people and give people free hugs? Or do I, I don't know, or do I set up a booth somewhere on a corner and ask men to like ask, asking men, what is a true man look like? Or what is true masculinity? How would you define it? I don't Mm. know. Like some kind of stunt that maybe something that gets recorded Mm. either in a video format, an audio format. I don't know. Like, I think there's, there's a, so many options. I'm going to rely on the creativity of our community to figure out what this stunt is. Um, and then potentially if, if, if other boys in our field like Ryan or Aaron or some of the other ones want to partake with me, feel free, but there's no pressure, of course, whatever the stunt is. But, um, but that is, that is currently, that is an ongoing goal that we're getting closer and closer to. So, um, so if you've ever been on the fence about supporting us on Patreon, just imagine me doing something extremely uncomfortable but hopefully fulfilling and rewarding as well that's the hope (laughs) the options are limitless so listeners supporters um yeah keep that in mind We're, we're still 31 patrons away but man 31 patrons could get here in no time so we'll see we'll see what happens and i guess before we dive into revoice 2021 
we have to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor for this episode, Autotune. Autotune, revising your voice in a way, revoice, revoicing your voice. Would you guys not agree? Oh, <laughs> oh boy. I got, I got you. I got you. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down now. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm glad Matthew's not here because he would be giving me excellence right now. He would yeah. hate this. He never yeah. likes the sponsorship segment. But um, Autotune, if, if editor Tom has the time and the energy to do something special with that announcement, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if um, Autotune makes its way into this at all. I, I doubt it. I hope our listeners aren't getting their hopes up. You can just imagine, if Tom doesn't get around to it, you can just imagine my long, oh, <laughs> auto-tuned into like Mary Had a Little Lamb or something. <laughs> yes, yes. This will be, I will spend approximately 30 seconds Googling, can I auto-tune this audio file? And if I can find something, great. Then I will auto-tune. If I cannot, then this is where we rely on the listener's imagination to do the work for us. So thank you, Autotune, as we talk about Revoice. Um, and actually, I didn't know where to sandwich this in because this is, I don't know, this is just really, it's a delicate thing. I just saw it online today. I don't know if you guys saw, but um, someone who has been super incorporated with Revoice and someone who podcasts with our it feels weird to call it our sister podcast, our, our like other brother podcast, brothers from another mother podcast, the Life on Side B podcast. Uh, I just saw online today, I don't know if you guys saw, but Henry, someone who's been on that show and someone who's super involved in the Revoice world, um, suffered a heart attack today and is mm-hmm. in a hard place, hard condition. And and gosh, like I wanted to bring that up because it's just like, I just we just saw him a couple, couple weeks ago as of this recording and... Um, my heart goes out to him. All, all the people, there's so many people listening right now, no doubt, who who know him, who love him, and just wanted to to let him know and let everyone know that we're, we're thinking about Henry and we're praying for him, for his healing, and that he gets the financial help that he needs. Um, I got to see Henry, because this will just, this will bleed into our Revoice conversation. I got to see him and got to talk to him a little bit at the conference, because he and I have had parallel lives in a very eerie, eerily dark way over the last couple of years. Um, not to compare my stuff with his stuff, but, um, but he's had his health issues. I've, I've had mine. Um, we both lost our vehicles as well in the last year. And so I was like, this is a very strange parallel. And I was joking with him at the conference. I hope like, I hope our lives take a turn for the better in a lot of ways that our health improves and that, um, that finances come together. And, um, man, my heart is just broken today for, um, for what he's going through. And so, um, so if you know Henry, even if you don't, if you listen to this Life on Side B podcast and know who he is, just um, pray for him. We'll put a link in the description for ways that you can reach out and in support of him because um, that would be great because he's a solid, solid person. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure he was like, he was the linchpin to make this conference happen in Texas this year because there was a change of, le- change of location for Revoice um, from St. Louis in the previous years to right outside of Dallas this year. And I think Henry lives maybe 30, 30, 45 minutes away from where this uh, conference happened this year. And so I know he was huge in location scouting and, and securing this church that we all were at for, for a weekend. And so, um, yeah, just a special guy. Just a, I love that guy. He's, he's fantastic. And so hope he is okay. I hope he recovers and hope everything will work out. But yeah, let's, uh, I guess let's go into the Revoice 
conversation. I guess I should define what revoice. Miriam Webster, unfortunately, hasn't she she doesn't know what revoice is yet. It hasn't gotten to her yet. It's gonna take a while, I think. Oof, yeah. She's a little behind. <laughs> she's a little behind. Yeah, yeah. She's not on the trend. So so I'll have to define it for her. Um but Revoice, it's an organization that exists to support and encourage Christians who are sexual minorities so they can flourish in historic Christian traditions. And and Revoice has kind of run a parallel course to Yab. Their their first conference was in 2018. Our first retreat was in 2018. Um, and so we've been on this little parallel course with these yearly gatherings the last few years. And um, as we mentioned at the top, we've all been to all of these conferences so far. And um it's been interesting from my vantage point to see how it's evolved and grown and and changed over the last few years. And would love to get y'all's y'all's feedback as well. How did you guys feel coming into this year's conference? Because a lot of changes, new location, new city, new time of year. Usually it's been in the summer um, and this conference was in the fall this year. And um, and a significantly smaller crowd, a lot of that I'm sure due to due to COVID. Um, as well. And so it was, it was of the three conferences that I've been to, it felt the most different, I guess, if that makes sense, not necessarily in a negative or positive sense, but it just felt like, oh, this is a different, it just feels like a different vibe. I don't know. How did you guys feel just to like be very nebulous? Like, how did you feel going into this year's conference? Yeah, I think it was a busy season for me coming off the retreats and other travels and things. Uh, leading into the October revoice, but it was really good. I think they learned a lot from last year's virtual event, which went about as well as anything virtual went uh, in 2020 when everybody was just kind of adjusting on the fly. But um, I, I don't know. I think I was just so excited to be in person with people that my expectations were mostly about being in a community and getting back together Uh, and just getting a chance to hear some of these great speakers again. So to your point, Tom, my expectations were low, kind of coming into COVID and all of that going on. And so I thought it really went above and beyond what even my normal expectations would be. Uh, And I appreciated too, sort of the way they switched things from being more of the breakout sessions and things like that. I, I appreciated how they had more of just a continuous stream of speakers in one room, um, which worked well for doing kind of a dual in-person and virtual streaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about that because that was a big format change for sure. Um, Ryan, how did you experience going into this conference? So past revoices, I looking back, I realized I put a lot of pressure on myself to connect with as many people as I could and get as much as I could out of every single speaker. And, um, and and that wound up being pretty exhausting. So I put, I decided not to put very much pressure on myself at all and just go in and it's fine if I, you know, if I miss opportunities because I would rather come out of Revoice feeling rejuvenated and refreshed and encouraged rather than uh, tired and depressed. <laughs> um, so I, I went in like very hopeful about about that and relaxed about that too. Um, I was also I also felt positively about the location change. Um, if if you live in St. Louis, if you're from St. Louis, please skip forward thirty seconds. <laughs> um, 
I didn't really like St. Louis very much. I thought uh, downtown was kind of sad and dead. And um, and so I was glad to try a new location for a change. Now, uh, if you live in the Dallas area, please skip forward 30 seconds. Um, I didn't really like Dallas very much, as it turns out. <laughs> like, it just Where takes, should we go, Ryan? Tell it us. Just takes Where should we Raleigh. Go? Come to Raleigh. Oh, Raleigh. Raleigh. Should, okay. should come to Raleigh. I'll hook you up with everything you need here. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, just the Dallas area. It takes forever to get anywhere on the road and do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was. My I would big be complaint. a fan. Yeah, I would be a fan of them. I don't know how logistically of a nightmare this is, but I would be a fan of them changing locations every year just to benefit people who live in this part of the country, people Ooh, who yeah. live in this part of the country, Agreed. and for someone like me who enjoys traveling and going to new cities, like that would be fun to mm-hmm. bounce around and like and the Olympics. Yes, the Olympics, exactly. Because um, that would be a motivator for me, yeah, to, to see new cities. Because I'll be honest, going into Revoice, I was already exhausted. And then coming out of Revoice, I was even more exhausted. So to your point, Ryan, I wish maybe I wish uh, my experience could have been a rejuvenating one or an, up, an uplifting one just from the emotional side of things. Because I always, when I go to these conferences... Um, I've tried to I've tried to like maintain my space and my boundaries really well, but inevitably what happens is throughout the course of 72 hours is that I get pulled in 20 different directions and and it's good. Don't get me wrong. If I saw you at Revoice and we got to eat a meal together, grab coffee together, it's not like I didn't enjoy that. But inevitably what happens once that gets repeated X number of times is by the end of it, I'm just like, I need to go into a, a hole and a cave and just veg out for five days because I'm just it's an exhausting experience and and revoice for those that don't know it's this was the smallest gathering they've had i believe but in years past they've had somewhere between 400 600 people show up so it's a pretty decent sized event people from all over the world um come to this and so it's it can be it can be daunting if uh if if you are of the introverted nature or if people um a lot a big crowd of people stress you out or overwhelm you and I've, i've felt that and um and I don't know. Yeah, it's just like I want Revoice to be something that I want to go to. And I think to tie a bow on the feelings going into Revoice, I often feel like I have to be there. And it's I don't want that obligation component to be there. Like I want to go to Revoice because like, oh, man, there's going to be a lot of awesome people there that I get to see that I normally don't get to see on a regular basis. But um, but I guess if I had to choose because we have these these retreats as well and to some a Yabers retreat of 40 people might be daunting and might be overwhelming. But to me, that's like the sweet spot. If I can be in in the woods with 40 people for a weekend versus at a conference with multiples, hundreds of people bustling around, like the decision is clear for me. So inevitably for me, I've gotten more out of the, the Yab retreat gatherings that we've had versus these conferences. But it was awesome to see. Um, I'm thinking of one supporter in particular who didn't get to go on our on our retreat, but was at the conference and he was like on cloud nine the whole time. And it was awesome just to see that enthusiasm because he had never been in an environment like that before. And so I definitely recommend like if you've never been to Revoice, if it intrigues you, if it daunts you, if it's um, if there's something about it that you you can't shake, like I would recommend giving it a try. Um, go once and you may not agree with everything you hear or see or experience, but um, but I think if nothing else, to broaden your horizons and just to experience something new and to hopefully meet somebody, um, meet a couple people that you haven't met before and learn their story. Like I think it was, um, I think it's worth giving a go if if nothing else. It may not be everyone's cup of tea, but um, but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some highlights today. We're not gonna be able to talk about everything in the span of of this hour, but um, but I've got 
I haven't shown Ryan and Aaron this yet, but I've got my little journal where I took notes on every single thing that happened there. I was taking notes. And so it's going to be sort of like a mixture of a structured podcast and a very unstructured podcast because we're not going to talk about every single speaker that was there. But for the ones that we do, I've got my notes handy and I'll flip to that page and I'll see what I jotted down and we'll just kind of go from there. And I don't know if Aaron and Ryan just have it all in their heads or if they took notes too or how this will go. We'll just see. Oh, look at that. Ryan's got a notebook as well. Ryan, <laughs> Aaron's got it all in his head. So this will be great. So we're going to talk about what was some of the more meaningful parts of the conference, things to talk about, and maybe even things that challenged us as well. If we want to go there, we can go there too. So Ryan or Aaron, is there anywhere that you feel convicted and led to start our conversation? Yeah, I'll start. I think for me, one theme that I recognized emerging over and over again throughout all the different talks um, and I was, I was trying to come up with a list of all the speakers who brought this up, but it's just too long. And I think they all touched on it at some point or another was the, the idea that we have so much to offer to the body of Christ and that, um, we, I think that the challenge to me was to invest all the more in my local community, my local body, the straight and married and familyed people around me who I can easily feel very disconnected from and disinvested from and um, excluded from. But I was reminded over and over again how important my presence is in their lives and how much I have to offer them and how much I can minister to them and, and how much my, uh, my, my background and my story empowers me to, um, to, to minister to them, to encourage them, to edify them. And that was a very helpful thing. I just kept, like I said, kept coming back to. That's huge because I think the temptation is there. I'm glad Revoice, um, I'm glad that message was so prevalent this year because um, I think it's tempting, even with Yabra's retreat too, it's tempting to isolate and separate from the local church and just be our own un little unique thing. And there's benefit from separating and having a distinct separateness. But but yeah, if we're not reintegrating, if we're not coming back to the local church, like I think I think we are missing something, something that the Lord wants to do. Um, with us and and for us and through us and so yeah that was that was a huge lesson that like you said i think multiple people it kept kind of coming up that theme um that we have value we have worth and we have something to offer the church that's a huge that's a huge takeaway yeah i love that too and i think there can be especially well i'm sure there still is but especially the first revoice all the the um conversation good and bad in in the church in the side b world and in all sorts of different denominations about it um, I think there can be this idea that like it's this group of people who are formulating their agenda and taking it back into their churches to try to further some sort of uh, nefarious goal. But what I love about what you both said is really what Revoice is doing is it's taking a lot of people who on a general level have been kind of told that they are not valuable they are not a part of the community. They're other, they're outsiders. And not saying go be the magic solution to the church, but like you are worthy of being a member of the church. Like Christ 
um, death is for you as much as for anybody. And in fact, you have special skills um, to take back to the church, but also we all thrive more in community than we do in isolation. And we need the church. The church needs us. And I think that that's something that um, was really encouraging with this year, that reminder. Absolutely. Yeah. Something I appreciated about this year's conference is I feel like I see such um, and it's such an inspiration to me, honestly, with with what we're doing with Yab is I see such an intentionality to bring as many people to the table and to the fold as possible. Going back to year one, to, to especially when you compare and contrast um, conference one with conference four now, I guess, um, just seeing the diversity quotient increase leaps and bounds from from that first conference, whether it's with more women represented, more racial minorities represented, gender identity. We're going to talk about that for sure. I will make sure we talk about gender identity before this conversation's over. Um, that hearing those voices represented, even something that I picked up on from the first conference, there wasn't a lot of, um, when it comes to language, um, there wasn't a lot of affirmations of using SSA or same-sex attracted in a lot of the speaking and a lot of the material. And I kind of felt like, okay, is everybody here on board? That must mean that everyone here must be on board with LGBT terminology. And and I just kind of felt this tension in me that was like, well, I don't even know that I'm necessarily comfortable at that time with, with that terminology. And so I feel a little isolated in that respect that people who maybe aren't, aren't as comfortable identifying um, with that language, don't feel maybe, maybe don't feel as welcome here. But contrast that to now, and I would hear a lot of it just being used interchangeably, LGBT and SSA. And so I, I thought it was important um, to have that representation as well. Even last year, I mentioned I joked at the top that last year I only watched one uh, workshop on the virtual revoice. The one I watched was Greg Coles and Rachel Gilson talking about using SSA versus using gay. And it was such a great conversation. If there was one thing I could have listened to and watched last year, I'm glad it was that because they just had such a positive conversation where Greg Coles uses gay and Rachel Gilson uses SSA language. And and it wasn't a contentious thing. Like they were laughing and joking and having a just, they were laying it out very well because she's she's married to a man and and previously identified as a lesbian and just doesn't feel that's appropriate for where she is now. And, and Greg talked rationally and explaining why he uses gay terminology. And, and I just thought that was when I, when I heard that last year, I was like, okay, I can, I'm on board with what Revoice is doing. I may not agree with every single thing I hear, but, um, but I'm glad that that conversation is being brought to the table and that people who identify across the spectrum, because there's a diverse group of people that come to these things, um, that hopefully everyone can find a little piece of little piece of home um, at some point, because I recognize the challenge in that too, that you like, this is represented, I think in the worship, like the worship sessions are, they are so different throughout the whole weekend. It goes from traditional and liturgical. And then you got Evan Wickham coming in and bring in a lot of modern worship. And um, it's just like, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, messy thing when you're trying to like reach all flavors of, of Christianity and all believers and, and all countries and all places. So, and especially with the internet component now, now that it's virtual and people can tune in online, like, um, I recognize the challenge and trying to like check all the boxes that they possibly can, but I, I admire them for the, for the changes they've made and the evolution they've been on since, uh, since that first conference, any of the particular speakers jump out at you guys. I've got a list of them in front of me. 
Well, I think the most uh, memorable speaker for me was Misty Irons. Um, Misty Irons is a, um, a a straight woman, I guess, an ally of the side B community is kind of the most efficient way to describe her. But uh, she has been blogging about side B for uh, at least as long as side B has been a thing. She's like she's got the side B mom energy, is what I how I describe yeah. her to people. She's like <laughs> like you just want to eat home-baked cookies in her kitchen and have her defend you that would be so great Mm -hmm. she's the yeah she's the side b mama bear um (laughs) yes and uh she her 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 talk was titled i believe uh, a view from the pew is that correct tom I dropped my journal just as you asked me. So one second, let me turn the page. I had it all ready. I was like, yes, I'm going to be prepared and say what everyone's thing was called. Um, Yes, Misty Irons, The Church and the Gay Christian, A View from the Pew. A View from the Pew. I remembered the the rhyming there. So, uh, but, but she talked about reasons why why continuing in or reasons why it might not actually be that biblical for certain conservative Christians to insist that gay people sort of check their sexual identity at the door when they, uh, when they enter the church. Um, and the big metaphor she used was, um, was with Gentiles, you know, Gentile was a sort of neg- negatively connoted, identity associated with sin uh, to to the Jews and yet um, Gentile believers were not uh, were not forced to leave their Gentile identity leave their Gentile they, they, they were required to leave behind uh, leave, leave behind certain classes of sin um, and, and I guess you know we would say all sin but their uh, their affiliation as Gentiles um, was not uh, not in scope for that and um, and obviously she's she's very dynamic and, and can make this argument a lot better than I can um, but she was um, entertaining to listen to and, and vindicating um, and I enjoyed her talk a lot yeah she's great I think she's spoken at every conference or most of them, at least. She's a familiar face. She's mm-hmm. been there before. Yeah, yeah. And I love, yeah, I love the concept because maybe people listening and again, they're not familiar with Revoice. They think if it's just a bunch of gay people or SSA people, but like, there's a decent number of straight people who come too, who who speak and share and who attend. Um, and that's such a blessing for me because like, I would love to see that. Um, I'd love to see that continue in Yob too, and I'd love to have more straight voices in our community as well. But I love that there is. Um, a presence there. Um, it's not a large presence. It's definitely a minority, but like, I love that there's, there are straight people in the church who, who love us, who, who love what we're about and what we're standing for and who are there to support us and cheer us on. And to see that on the stage or in the pews is, uh, is a blessing indeed. And one thing I really appreciate about Revoice, uh, is it's an opportunity to continue to come together and kind of see where the conversation in the side B world has gone in the last year. You know, you pick up some things through blogs or conversations, but a bunch of speakers who in some ways represent a lot of the pillars of um, some of the side B thinking and coming, kind of updating 
what their current positions or thoughts are on certain things. And there's good dialogue that happens. Um, so like with Misty Irons, I really appreciated her, her fresh way of looking at the identity discussion, because I think when Revoice first started, I mean, this has been a conversation for a long time now, but it's relatively new. The conversation about terminology is relatively new in a lot of ways. So it's been interesting to see that kind of morph over time and some of the, um, arguments change and to see where people are coming from in that. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it should come as no surprise what my who my favorite speaker was. Do you guys shot in the dark, do you guys know who who I probably resonated with the most mm-hmm. if you have the lineup in front of you? Greg Coles. No, but Greg No. <laughs> shout out to Greg Coles. I wanted to mention that too. Like, oh my gosh, you guys, we're we have made such strides in the podcast universe because how many of these people who spoke have been on our podcast? So many. Greg Coles, Preston Sprinkle, uh, Bill Henson. Um, I feel like, yeah, at least at least three. There might have been one more in there somewhere. But yeah, I was like, wow. It was fun to like look up on a stage and be like, we had them on our show. <laughs> Who oh, are Peter, we? Who are we to have? P- Peter, Peter Bach. Bach. Yes. Shout yeah. out to Peter Bach. Yeah. So so many. I was I was. Oh. Was was your favorite Luke Calvin? Of course it was. Yes. yes. <laughs> there we go. There it is. So Luke Calvin is a therapist and he started, it was the first thing on, what day was that? Friday morning, whatever day that was. Friday morning, the first day of the conference, he starts us, starts us off at like nine in the morning, 9.30 in the morning with like the most sad, heavy, and he, he is a self-identified Enneagram 4 he was, and he brought that for energy to kick off the festivities and I was all for it. I was like soaking it in, like wearing a sweater with a cup of London fog on a thunderous morning in my easy chair. Like it was exactly what my soul needed and I was, and it was funny because I got to grab lunch with him the second day and I was like, I sat next to him and I was just like, you're, you're the best. You, you, you made my conference to have somebody I could look up on the stage and just connect with on a, on a deep soul level was, was so great. Oh, one thing I wrote down from his talk was he said, survival is one of our superpowers as, um, as gay Christians and, um, and, and one mechanism of surviving is that we, uh, become leaders in our communities in order to become vital so that we are protected. And it was, yeah, just a really interesting pattern that I think I've seen over and over again is like, um, I, th- I think a lot of like gay Christians do achieve a lot or there, maybe this is just an LGBT thing in general, but we can often be very high achieving because we feel this need or this pressure to, um, to prove our value and, and reach places where we're protected and not vulnerable. Yeah. So the name of his, his talk, cause I forgot to introduce what he even talked about. Um, so his title, his talk was called powerlessness and progress in the faith. And he had some really bomb quotes. Like he put some quotes, he had a nice little PowerPoint presentation that went with it. Um, and so I'm going to rattle off a few of the quotes that I jotted down that I thought were fantastic. Um, Tish Warren, who I heard this person referenced multiple times about a book. Um, so I'm very intrigued to read, read Tish Warren. Um, but that quote was, we come to know God 
when our efforts fail us. We come to know God when our efforts fail, fail us. Henry Nouwen had this quote, when you battle in the hiddenness, it does the world much good. Our little selves participate in something larger. I love that because oftentimes, oftentimes I don't know if you guys res- resonate with this at all. It feels like why, why even try to do the right thing today? Why look at, not look at this or force myself to pray or force myself to whatever, you know, whatever the list is. And it feels so minuscule and it feels like what is, yeah, what is even the point of, of participating in this faith? But, um, but think about like, yeah, everybody in this community, if we all do our little selves, if we all participate, I mean, the fact that, the fact that we're, t- we're talking at the top about, you know, getting to 250 patrons or, or you look at Revoice and to have hundreds of people from around the country, around the world attend these events, like what an amazing thing when we all do these little things in our lives and then we can come together and see visibly, visually the impact of our efforts and being there for one another and encouraging one another on. Like that was just beautiful. It was beautiful, beautiful to see in practice. And if nothing else, that's what I enjoy about Revoice is just the, the visual of Oh, it's it's more than just me. It's more than even just Yab. It's more more than even just this conference. This conference is a snapshot of even bigger things around the world. And so um, that's just great. It's great to see in person. And then Queen Bernay. Sorry, Queen Miriam. There's there's multiple queens in the universe, but Queen Bernay Brown um, said this: "The church isn't an epidural, but a midwife, reassuring you through the pain." And I thought that was great because I have come into church. Ryan, you mentioned at the top about a desire to reconnect with the local church. I think I've I've had that. I'll just speak for myself. I've had the tendency to look at the church yeah, as the epidural, like take away my loneliness, take away my disconnect, take away my sense of minority mm-hmm. status. And maybe it's less that and more of a reassuring presence. <laughs> and maybe or if like, I can learn to shift my perspective a little bit, that would do me some good. The midwife... Uh, like the midwife tells you to push, right? Mm-hmm. Like the midwife tells you how to bring forth the life, like walks with you as you bring forth the life out of that pain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And cheers you on. Like it's it's like that cloud of witnesses cheering you mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And not only does the church cheer me on, but I cheer on the church. We cheer on the church. And I think it goes back to that that notion that we have something to offer the church as well. It's not just a one one-way street and so i really loved it and then at the end he you guys he like as if it wasn't enough of a performance enough of a just a very like beautiful beautifully worded talk he then ended by singing brandy carlisle from the stage and it was it took my breath away (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like this really just happened he literally sang like not just a line, but I think a whole stanza of one of her songs. It was incredible. I was just, mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm going to follow this human. I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep tabs on him. Future, yeah. future Yobcast <laughs> guest someday. <laughs> I would love to have him on. He was, he was great. And his final statement of "Stay gentle." The most is the most powerful thing you can mm-hmm. do. That reminds me of, there's a song that's really popular in our community. It's on our Heart of a Brother playlist. Shout out to that thing. I always forget to remind people that we have a playlist on Spotify and YouTube. Um, But there's a song, Be Kind to Yourself by Andrew Peterson, which is one of my personal favorites. I know it's a favorite of our community. And just a reminder, like, yeah, life is hard and show yourself, learn to show yourself some grace when you mess up or when things feel dark and heavy or you feel like you can't do all the goals that you had for today. Like show yourself some grace, be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself. And I think um, it's always good. It's always good to be reminded that. 
I really enjoyed Greg Cole's talk, of course. And as somebody who keeps notes in my head, my problem is if, if I take notes in the moment, I'm not present and I don't listen to things. So I heavily bank yeah. on it being available to record or be recorded and watch later. So, uh, but maybe Tom, you would like to take out your little journal and just intro the title of his talk and some of the main points for it is such a greg is such a greg cole's title if you just know his vocabulary and how he speaks and his lexicon like so the title of his talk was the stability of scandalous adoration and he was talking about um something that i didn't even know are you guys even aware of this from scripture like the fact that there's a woman in scripture in the gospels who washes jesus's feet with her hair but it's mentioned multiple times and one of the times it's like by name mary mary right there's a mary and then but then there's other times where it's not mentioned by name in a different city and so then then you start to think like wait is it so is it multiple different women wiping jesus's feet or or what exactly so that was like the premise of what he was talking about all these like and like the the absolute like unabashed adoration that these women had to worship Jesus despite the whatever, whether they are, whether they're of like illicit uh, reputation or whatever, whatever their background is, the fact that they worship Jesus and give him everything despite the the feedback in, in the room. And so that was kind of what he was, was talking about. But, um, but yeah, Aaron, what was, what was particularly meaningful about that for you? I think Coming into Revoice the first year, I was a little bit nervous because I had a few friends who I don't know exactly what they would identify as side Y or side X or something, but had a lot of concerning things to say about an organization like Revoice, like a lot of people did at that time. And so I kind of came in not um, off put at all. I was very excited but I was paying attention. I was very curious to hear what was actually going to be said from the stage and how are these people living? How are they acting? And what are they encouraging me to do? Not just this weekend, but when I go home into my church. Um, And one of the things Greg talks about is how he was in a diner, I believe it was, and he was listening, or there was this group of people who were talking about Revoice. Um, And they had, you know, the typical criticisms of, the language and identifying and it's got this kind of secular progressive agenda and the typical stuff. Um, And then he said a guy at the end kind of came back and said, yeah, but they really love Jesus. Like it seems like these people really love Jesus. And um, that's so encouraging to me. And I think that's kind of when I came in with some, some reservations the first year and in years to follow, what I was able to walk away with was um, like, this is a group of people who love Jesus and are encouraging me to love Jesus. And the topics that get covered, sometimes I agree with what's said, sometimes I don't. But it made me think about um, this passage in Luke where uh, John the Baptist, he's imprisoned and he has some disciples who he sends to Jesus. And so it's Luke uh, chapter 7, verse basically 20 through 22. And it says, And when the men had come to him, him being Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? 
And in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. Um, and I thought about that. And when people would kind of come to me after the conference and talk about, yeah, but have you read like the white papers, what people are really after, like what the real goals are behind Revoice and, and some of these things. And I went, well, I went there and the gospel was preached. People were encouraged to sacrifice everything for Jesus, whether that was their sexuality or something else. Um, people who felt worthless were encouraged to find their worth in Christ and to bear one another's burdens and to go back and humbly be in a community of believers who don't always value Christians, whether they identify as SSA or gay or whatever it may be. It can be very hard to be a sexual minority in the church. And so that was kind of my feeling is it's not Jesus doesn't come outright and say, yes, I'm the Messiah. He says, why don't you take back the fruit that you see me doing and let John know that and that will speak for itself. And it's kind of like Paul saying in Philippians, you know, there's those who preach the gospel with good intentions. There's go those who preach it from, you know, pretense and for their own power. But in any event, I rejoice because the gospel is being preached. And that's how I feel about Revoice is it's this beautiful place where regardless of what you really think is going on, if you look at the fruit and the message, it's very encouraging. And Greg's talk really reminded me of that. Yeah, that's so good. And I love that Greg, he's so self-deprecating too. He's just got such a, it just, Shout out to Greg Coles, because I just like look at him and he just brings a smile to my face. And it's just beautiful just to hear him talk about Jesus and how that spurs something in his heart. Like it was such an encouragement to just listen to him again, because I've heard him speak a few times now across all these mm -hmm. conferences and a podcast. And and I love like he took that same energy of, of those people in a diner that you mentioned, Aaron. Um, and he talked he told a story about how there's this like super cheesy CCM Christian song that came on the radio or something and he didn't name it by name or anything. I was I was trying to make a theory in my head like I wonder who he's, if he's talking about this band is he talking about this song? I was trying to like guess what he was referring to. But he he felt a voice just kind of saying to him I dare you to be edified by this song. And sure enough he was like he said something like to the effect of gosh darn it I was edified by the song. <laughs> And it's just like God can use all kinds of things and it might be off-putting. It might not be your cup of tea, but but I think it's a beautiful thing when people um, are following Jesus. And I just, yeah, he 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 just, yeah, he 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 knows how to speak. He knows how to write. I'm just I just love love anything Greg does. Big, big fan of him. Mm. Yeah. Can we get him back on the Yobcast just like for fun? Or yeah, he doesn't do, have to write. Does he book. have to? Does he have to write another book first? No, no. he doesn't. We could just no, we just doesn't. have him back, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. let's do it. We'll have um, to bring I, him back. Yeah, I loved in his talk. It was such a good reminder. He said that he has found himself like getting so preoccupied with proving that he loves Jesus that he forgets to actually love Jesus and. Um, and I, I think that's like such a um, good reminder for me as well um, in the moments I get defensive or just really concerned with um, all of the um, just all the controversies around my mm -hmm. life um, and, and sort of 
in that same vein, one of the points he made about this woman or women um, encountering Jesus and washing his feet was, um, you know, they had, she, she had some people criticizing her from, from one side saying, you're not worthy of this. You're not worthy to be in the same room as Jesus. You're not worthy to wash his feet. You're not worthy to touch him. You're not worthy to worship him. Um, and then she has people from the other side saying that gift is too costly. Um, like that expense, that, that perfume is too expensive. That's a stupid thing you're doing. That's a waste of resources. That's a waste of your life. Um, and we can actually see ourselves in her position very easily. You know, we have people on one side saying you're not worthy of, of calling yourself a part of the body. You're not worthy of worshiping as the, in the place you're at. Um, and then we have criticism from the other side saying what you're committing to this celibacy or this, uh, sexual, th this chastity or whatever, um, what you're giving up is too much. That's stupid. And you're wasting your life. Um, but this woman, like she doesn't care. Like she's at the feet of her savior. She's at the feet of Jesus washing his feet. And she is so, um, she, she's so intent on jesus in that moment that like she it doesn't matter to her what these other folks are saying because she's busy like loving jesus and i loved that pointer to um to the opportunity in front of us to to just be like like just completely wrapped up in loving jesus that we don't really have to care or defend ourselves when people object to our presence or what we're doing yeah. Yeah. That was just a great, that was a great takeaway. Cause I've had to make the decision in recent years on social media. Like, do I use social media? Some people are extremely gifted and skilled with arguments and putting their case out. And it's, it's like not distracting or demoralizing for them to do that. But I, I realized years ago, like if I'm using Twitter to constantly defend my faith and following Jesus, despite being attracted to the same sex or using this label or using that one. Like, I just can't do it. I don't have the stamina. I don't have the energy. And it was like reassuring to be like, okay, I don't have to, that's not, the pressure's not on me. Hopefully my, my faith speaks for itself without ha having to use words. And if the situation's right for me to use words, to explain my faith, like, sure. Stepping into that with, with confidence and, and relying on the Holy spirit, but, but realizing that that doesn't have to constantly be on me. I don't have to constantly defend the, the LGBT or the SSA or the whatever experience that I'm living. Um, and just love Jesus. Like what a, what a difference that that mental switch, um, can be from a spiritual standpoint. How did you guys feel we're running out of time? And so I want to make sure we talk about a panel discussion. Um, but I also wanted to bring up Peter Vock cause he, his, his, um, talk spoke to me a little bit or jumped out at me um, as unique, maybe a little more unique from the rest. Cause he, he brought the eight energy at the beginning when he said he like opened up his own talk and prayer and wanted to make sure that he said the right words or that they were heard right or, or something to that nature. And essentially he was talking about um, like, it was kind of this, this place of fire for him of, he doesn't want to see um, people who are called to celibacy or think they're called to celibacy kind of, turn in on themselves and become bitter and angry and, and see, see kind of this beautiful, this, what can be a beautiful vocation kind of corrupt somebody. And he used, he made a parallel to the incel 
movement, which if people don't know, does someone want to explain what the incel movement is? I feel like Ryan. Sure, Tom. <laughs> Can I toss that to you? <laughs> I am the most. Uh... Talk about incels. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to talk no. about incels, but I think Ryan can do a good job talking about incels. <laughs> I'm the most uh, chronically, um, problematically online person of, of the three mm. of us. So uh, mm. I'll explain <laughs> incels. Incels short for involuntary celibate. And it is uh, a, a, a little subculture of the internet where, um, man, I'm guessing it's pr- like almost all men. Um they feel that they have been victimized and forced into celibacy and to them celibacy just means a lack of sex um, because they're not sort of the, the alpha male, um, the alpha male stereotype archetype that, that they think society has convinced women um, that that is the only kind of man to have sex with. And so they, uh, feel deprived by society and have grown embittered against society and very much against women because um, because they they don't see how well well and so they they feel that um, without sex they feel that being deprived of sex they are deprived of a basic human need um, which is not which is a fallacy you know I would say mm-hmm. um, but they also um, don't see how their um, the 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 bitterness and what the the bitterness they've cultivated um, and the anger they've cultivated actually drives women away from them more and causes mm-hmm. them to um, have an even harder time um, finding uh, finding sex. So that is incel incel subculture. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was like sort of familiar with it. I knew about it, but um, but he was yeah. He brought the energy and the passion and his his conversation and essentially goes back to to like how we can't have a vocation of no. Eve Tushnet right talking about we can't, like we need to be living for something, not in subtraction and to mm-hmm. something. And um, I don't know. I just appreciated him bringing bringing that voice to, to the conversation. Like hopefully there is a beautiful calling. And he, um, he said something that maybe is very obvious, but it's worth saying that marriage is not necessarily easier than celibacy and that the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. And, and that was, it was good to hear that because it's good to break down that myth that marriage is this amazing, beautiful thing. I'm sure for lots of people it is, but I've heard some hard stories actually recently about people in in marriages and it's not, maybe everything you would think it would be cracked up to be. And so I think it's, it's good to just get reality checks sometimes that just because you're married or just because you're in the majority doesn't mean that your life is amazing and easy um, or even fruitful. So, um, so I don't know. I hope, I hope that uh, that conversation was an encouragement to someone who either, who either explicitly feels the call to celibacy, the vocation to that, or, or if they just feel like it's their lot in life and this is just how it's going to be that hopefully there's a, I don't know, something positive in, in that as well that God wants to do and use through, through our celibacy and singleness. Something to close, I guess, our conversation, something I appreciated that this Revoice did compared to previous conferences was that there were several panel discussions, which is just a nice way to break up the weekend. So it's not just listening to one person at a pulpit 
after another. We haven't talked about the organizational flow of it. Like some, I think Aaron, you might've mentioned you liked how it was all in one room. I think I liked it too, but I would have liked maybe less of it because it was just so, by the third day, I mean, there's like, there was one speaker after another and they skipped a few breaks by the end because people were going over. It just felt right, a little- trying to catch up. It, it was, was a little too much to yeah, process. Yeah. But I did, I did like that you didn't have to choose because in previous years you had to choose, okay, do I go to this one or do I go to these other two that are meeting at the same time? And um, so it was kind of nice, I guess, that everyone got the same experience this year. You didn't have to choose which one to go to or not. Um, but nonetheless, I really enjoyed they had a women's panel. They had a racial minorities panel. The one I kind of wanted to hone in on, you guys can feel free to bring up the other ones if you want, but the gendered identity panel was far and away for me, my personal highlight of the weekend. And and we did a qu- quick poll on our, our Discord with our yobbers, and we had a Zoom call recently, and I asked them, for those that went to the conference, what was your personal highlight? And it seems across the board that this was pretty much the most, um, the most well-received, the most encouraging part of the conference was this gender identities panel, which they had never, it's kind of crazy. They had never addressed gender identity at a revoice conference before this. And to have not just one, not just two, but they had like five or six people represented, um, such a cross section of stories. Um, Bill Henson, friend of the show, he moderated this panel and he's so good at what he does. Cause he, this is what he does for a living. He like does panels and leads workshops and does this all over the country. And, and he just was great to, to kind of get these, you can only talk about so much in an hour, but I thought he did a good job of going to each person, getting, getting different stories and cross sections of these people's lives. And, and they got a standing ovation as they well deserved at the end, because they were just, it just struck me as hard as my life is not to compare and contrast the human struggle. Right. But it just struck me just the practicality of, of it was like, this is a minority of a minority in the room and they're being so bold to share their experience, not just with, with, with sexual orientation, but then gender identity on top of that. And they're just being, I don't know, it was just illuminating. It was sobering, but it was ultimately encouraging just to see, to see them rallying with each other and to, to have the room support them too. I mean, there's, there might be some quotes or things I pull out here in a second, but did you guys have anything else, any other takeaways from the, the gender minorities panel. Yeah, I I really appreciated the diversity of backgrounds and views in, in that. Um, and I mean, I was just reminded of how how diverse the trans experience is. Uh, you know, the uh, how it, it is tempting to treat a group I'm not really a part of as sort of this monolith, but um, but that's really not how it is. I mean, there was. Um, they had someone who had uh, detransitioned. They had someone who, um, they had a couple people who are sort of non-binary. Um, they had someone who, ex- who experiences autogynephilia, and so there are just lots of uh, lots of stories you can uh, you can you can have about yourself. You know, lots of uh, backgrounds is what I'm trying to say um, within within that umbrella. And I forget if Preston Sprinkle said this. Oh my gosh, Preston Sprinkle. Did I mention him as a speaker that was on our show as well? Right. Add yeah. another one to the Yobcast lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget if he mentioned it in his book or on the podcast or where it's, it's, but I've heard this phrase over and over again with the gender identity discussion. It's that if you've met one trans person, you've met one trans person, like for, to, to your point, mm-hmm. Ryan, like you meet one trans person and their experience could be completely different from the trans person literally sitting in the chair next to them. And it yeah. was so great to hear, yeah, from male and female, younger, older, 
transition, detransition, like there was, there is a wide spectrum on display and it was just mm-hmm. very, um, like, again, that's still one area. I, I tend to go to revoice and think this is very prideful of me to think that I know it all or that I've heard it all. Cause I've been in this world for over a decade now of just all these conversations and workshops and speakers and things. But that to me was such an enriching conversation because it really did shine a light on a lot of stuff that I don't know and stuff that I've heard a little bit about and things that I'm maybe be starting to become more knowledgeable about. But um, yeah, but that was huge yeah, I, to hear. I think one thing we love about site B is that it, it feels like this third option this third way that we can feel very confident about that we can sort of own this position um and and so i think a lot of side b people hesitate to wade into uh, gender identity issues or trans issues because we aren't sure what the i i guess maybe i'm just projecting my own like kind of lackluster train of thought onto revoice but um but I, I, it does seem like there's kind of this um, waiting to see what the what the what the third option is, like that we can all be very confident about and kind of own as a community. But um, but I'm not I'm not sure that we're seeing that yet, uh, and yet we can't let that stop us from listening to our trans siblings' stories and learning from them how. Uh, how they live out their faith and how vibrant and powerful their, uh, their faith and their love for Jesus is. And so that's, I think the big thing I appreciated from, from the panel was that, you know, we don't, we, we didn't, nobody, nobody came up and had any answers for what does it mean? Uh, practically speaking for a trans person to follow Jesus and be faithful to Jesus um, like they, they had answers for themselves. Right. But they didn't have any, like, um, any, any grand unified theory of, um, of being a trans disciple of Christ. Um, but it was, uh, so beautiful and powerful, uh, the, the ways they're living out their, their faith in their lives. Yeah. And I think a lot of what I want from the church is just a platform to be able to share my story and for people to listen and receive that story. And so it just makes sense that we'd be doing that for our other um, gender minorities and other sexual minorities. I feel like Revoice is very centered or mostly represented by the uh, L and the G, you know, the lesbian and gay. And once you get into the BT plus, it's not quite so clear where those people fit in or where those voices are in the community. And I really appreciated getting an opportunity to just hear stories and humanize the topic, which it's sort of sad that we, as the L and the G, need to try to better humanize the T. But I think that's true. I mean, I think there's this sort of assumption that all those jumble alphabet letters merge together into one string and therefore we're all experts in all of those letters and that's just not the case. So it was really cool to get to have that. And I think that um, that's partly what I loved about having the racial minority panel uh, that was there as well, where, you know, if there's something that we all can empathize with and understand is what it's like to be a minority. 
And our experience as a minority is going to be very different based on um, what type of minority we are, but we all sort of can at least understand the framework of what is it like to be a minority and go from there. And I, I appreciated that they took the time to bring those conversations up this year. Yeah, for sure. Big fan of the panels. I hope I hope the panels are a sticking point. I hope they stay. I hope they uh, continue year after year. Um, I guess just to close, yeah, one of the people on the trans panel, I forget who it was, um, but it was very moving to me. It's like, because we all have our own perspectives with Jesus and our different vantage points and how we connect with, um, with this person, with the savior that we follow. And it was super meaningful for me to hear someone describe their relationship with Jesus in this way, in a comforting way. If anyone can understand the concept of not being at home in your own body, it's Jesus with us in his God nature. And to me, that is just, Mm. um, like I'll never, I'll never look at, at that, um, well, it just gave me a whole new perspective on the trans experience and just like, wow, like, yeah, if there's ever, if there's mm-hmm. ever somebody who, who doesn't feel at home in their own body, looking at Jesus and, and having the God nature with him also being fully human and, and just the tension that, that, that produced, I mean, we can't fathom it because we aren't God and we never will be, but I can't imagine just what, what that even is. It's an indescribable tension. And, and I'm sure that it's some snapshot, something like the trans experience that we can't understand if we don't experience gender dysphoria or, or ex- experience the trans, the trans life. So, um, so I don't know. It was beautiful. It was a wonderful panel. If it's available online, um, somewhere, if you guys haven't heard it, <laughs> whoever you are listening, um, I think that's, that's the one I would point to people. Like if there's one thing to listen to from this year's conference, that would be my personal watch this and, and tell me that you're not encouraged, um, corporately individually about following jesus because it was it was beautiful and actually too that reminds me that they are launching uh, it's like a subscription type of service having all of these recorded things maybe be helpful to link that for people to check out yeah we'll put a link to everything revoice our blogs and their website and any way to support them because because yeah they're launching a, a service not only to have access to this year's um, materials and speakers, but even going back to 2018, all the things they've done and they've done a lot of virtual digital things over the last couple of years too. So I think those are all available as well. So, um, so if you're curious about revoice resources, there's a lot, there's a lot out there. So I think that would be, um, something if you'd like to, to support their efforts and hopefully get a little encouragement along the way too. There's a lot of good stuff in there. We want to hear from you guys. Did you go to revoice this year? Did you not? Have you been in years past um, what is your revoice experience like? And what did you take away if you did go to this conference, either in person or virtually? Um, yeah, what were some of your highlights? What stuck up, stuck with you? I uh, would love to hear your stories. Go over to our podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 86 post on Revoice 21 and tell us a story. We'd love to keep the conversation going over there. We had a really great Zoom call with our supporters about the conference as well. And so it was, it was fun to see like 10 or 15 guys who were there either digital or even in, or in person, but then also digitally, there was like the, a couple guys from California, shout out to the California crew um, who watched it virtually. And so it was cool to like get that experience too, of these people who were watching the whole time. Did you guys know you were being watched the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see me on the front row center stage with my hands raised in the air? <laughs> I was there. Mm. You know, frankly, I was watching the camera people the whole time because I think they were mm. on staff with the church maybe. And I was just so curious to know what they were thinking about 
about this conference and the speakers and the what's unfolding and before their eyes yeah. yeah i was looking to see if they would like laugh at the jokes uh not very mm. much unfortunately so mm. yeah one of them looked so bored and i just thought how can you be bored <laughs> sitting here like you can feel a lot of things but bored doesn't yeah. make sense it's just like it's just another day at work for him i guess yeah it's just a, another paycheck <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that was great great video quality though like from what i've seen like yeah really good they they had a great setup so we'll see we'll see if they come back to dallas or if they try somewhere else i'm very curious to see what next year holds and the future holds for revoice um well a big shout out once again to autotune i don't know if i just thank that. you autotune <laughs> I was too shy to do that. So thank you, Ryan, um, for, yeah, thank you, Auditune, sponsoring this show. We effectively revoiced our voices for this conversation. So it was good. It was good times. Ryan, Aaron, it's always good to discuss things with you. Thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. Our pleasure. Fun times. The Rat Squad or the Rat Pack or the Art Team, whatever. We'll come up with a cool name for ourselves. We'll, we'll workshop We'll workshop some names, but um, (laughs) we'll be back next time with another incredible conversation, no doubt. So stay tuned for a convo cast in your near future. Um, But for now, for all your other brothers, this is Tom. This is Ryan. And I'm Aaron. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, access to a secret Facebook group, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash your other bros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.